Hello and welcome to We Came From The 80s, the podcast where we talk about movies we thought were cool. I'm your host, Farron, and today I'm joined by Heather. Hey, Dirtbag. And our long-lost co-host, Ramey. Welcome back. Howdy. This is actually the first time you've been with us since November of 2019. It's been a while. Yeah, I checked it for sure. Actually, the last, one, the last one you recorded with us was Spaceballs. So. Oh. And we have a special guest star joining us this time, Keitha. Hello. Hi. So finally, after hearing all the horror stories for three years about this, now you get to take part in one. So yeah. hopefully, yeah, hopefully you'll have all sorts of terrible memories just like we do. <laughs> she was actually hoping that there was about six of us and we could do it in your room. <laughs> yeah, Adam's getting ready to head back to the oil fields, and he already recorded an episode with me at noon today. We did my other podcast with him. So plug is yeah. that an is that an unsolicited plug there for your other <laughs> podcast? I'm not even mentioning the name, but the, the, tra- the trailer is in the the trailer for the other one is in our feed. So oh. it's the only content this podcast has released in the last month and a half. But whatever. So today we are doing Police Academy. And it premiered on the 23rd of March, 1984. It was directed by Hugh Wilson, who'd previously done a lot of work on the show WKRP in Cincinnati. Do you guys remember that? Mm -hmm. That was a great show. And actually, the guy who plays Les Nessman, he's in Police Academy 2, their first assignment. So it was written by Neil Israel, Pat Proft, and Hugh Wilson. And it was based on an original concept by Pat Maslansky, who also produced all of them, all uh, seven of them. And it is starring Steve Gutenberg, Kim Cattrall, G.W. Bailey, who of course you'll know from MASH, Bubba Smith, former football player, David Graff, Michael Winslow. And it was rated R. This movie, I'm sure you'll be shocked to hear, was made for an enormous budget, all of 4.5 million. And it made 81.2 million. So it, uh, it did pretty well for itself. So... I saw this, I doubt I saw it in the theater because, you know, I was nine and my parents weren't going to take me to a uh, restricted movie, uh, though they did take me this to is, see, sorry, go ahead. This is restricted? Yeah, it's R. It's an R-rated they, movie. Well, there's the nudity F-bombs. in it, remember? Oh, the yeah. F-bomb. Well, 80s yeah, there's boobs. 80s boobs, lots of those. But yeah, I mean, look, my parents took me to, took me to see, uh, you know, Hot Temple base. of Doom, Kalima, but uh, <laughs> this one they weren't going to take me to see, but we saw all of these on video a lot of the gags in these movies, I still remember from when I was a kid, like Mahoney parking the car. I used to make that joke when I was 14 years old and said, yeah, I'm going to park the car just like Mahoney, you know, on the side between the two of them. But uh, Heather, when's the first time you saw this? Uh, I was about 10 and my dad rented it or something for us. Yeah. So just a rental. Yeah. So, so what did you think of it? Um, when I was 10 or now? <laughs> <laughs> well, let's start with 10. It was the funniest thing ever. And now? Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I know. I'm right there with you. How about you, Remy? Uh, for me, this would have been, I don't know, probably like 15. I was probably 15, so it would have been, it would have been out 11 years at that time. And uh, as a 15-year-old boy, we were pretty fired up. So the 80s boobs was nice, and the comedy was funny, and the swears, and it was like adult humor at that time. So I... I remember it fondly with, uh, with quotation yeah. marks. Yeah. So yeah, is, and, does it hold up? Um, yeah, I thought it was really good. I mean, it's just that classic eighties <laughs> goofy movie that I don't know. Yeah, it was good. It was pretty funny last night. <laughs> what about Super you? Super offensive, but well, yeah. <laughs> what about you, Keith? Do you remember when you first saw this? Well, I was two when it came out, so I missed it entirely because it would have sort of come yeah. out. Obviously, I didn't see it, and then when I was into watching movies, it would have been like an old, weird 80s movie. So I've seen a lot of 80s movies, but I didn't watch this until I was with Raimi. Gosh, I don't know, like mid-2000s maybe. He played it for me, and I remember (laughs) watching it being like, oh, my gosh, they can't say... Did they just... Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. So, (laughs) yeah, I watched it later as like a... a, What do you call those? Like a retro retro movie, but... Yeah. Yeah, these movies... Like, you know, this, this is something we've encountered a lot in this podcast are movies that... You look at this and go, they, they did that. They really said that. Oh, my God. Use of the word fag and things like that. Like things that just Weird. Would, homo, would, homo. homo yeah, would, like... would not fly today. Oh, yeah. I mean, the whole running joke throughout the series of the Blue Oyster Bar, the leather bar.
Oh, and that's, yeah. That's <laughs> it's one of the funny memories is for whatever reason, growing up in our household is the Blue Oyster Bar. Yep. And it was always yep. like, it was the okay joke. But now, you know, even when Keith probably watched it in 2005, there the shift was starting, but I don't yep. think people were as receptive still. It was, mm-hmm. it, we were kind of in that gray area. And now, I mean, something like this would just be so offensive to <laughs> so many different people. And, but you, you take it for what it is too, an 84 yeah. movie and well, you tell you that. Have any of you ever heard of a leather bar? None of you have, have you? No. <laughs> that's what Blue Oyster is. It's a real thing. I mean, the music and the tango and all that, obviously, that's the comedy bit. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, that music. Absolutely, that music. Gay bars like that were a thing. They're called leather bars, and they're exactly what you see there. This was not even an exaggeration. Al Pacino did a movie about a, an undercover cop who goes into leather bars to find a serial killer. And apparently it was garbage, but, you know, shock of shocks. But these are real places. That's the scary thing. The joke of these isn't the location. It's the music and the tangoing. But my favorite part of it all was, you know, they send they send them there. And we'll get into that. But they send the two guys to the bar and the whole thing happens. Ha ha ha. But when the riot's happening, they go into the building yeah. to get away from the riot. And, and it's they're there, all yeah. just and they're all just standing in there like waiting for them to come in. Like yeah, it's so I know. funny. It's... Oh yeah, all <laughs> you need is the <laughs> It's a good one. I mean, these movies, like they just kept coming and coming. There were seven of these. And the last one was Mission to Moscow in 1994. Mm-hmm. And since 2003, like even Steven Gutenberg gave up after number four. Bubba Smith gave up after number six. The only ones who held on the whole way through were Michael Winslow. That's Jones, the guy who does the sound effects. And David Graff, who's the psycho who loves guns. They're the only two who made it. Tackleberry? Tackleberry. They're the only two who made it the whole way through. And since 2003, they've been trying to make another one. And they are, in fact... As late as two years ago, Gutenberg was tweeting out that there's going to be another one, and he's going to be in it. Like it's going to be a remake? Uh, no. Or just like where he, are they He'll now? be like the Commodore or something. Yeah, oh, like wow. part eight. I mean, a lot of these actors have long since passed away. Like the guy who played Commandant Lassard, he's long since passed. A number of these actors are gone. You know, Bobcat Goldthwait, who he's, you see him in later films, he's that guy with the the he makes that weird sound like he he always sounds like he's about to have a nervous breakdown. I used to be a real jerk, but now I'm a people guy. He was a comedian in the eighties and nineties. Oh you remember yeah, him? yeah, yeah. He was he the gang to... leader, and then he became the cop. Yeah, and that was in the second and the third one. I actually just watched the the second and third one today, so I've been beating myself over the head with Police Academy. He doesn't want to do it because so many of the actors have passed away. I think Bubba Smith may have passed away. A lot of these guys are Sound just gone. Effects guy passed away, I think. Uh, when Mike, that's a good question. I don't know. Let me look. Um, I feel like I heard that somewhere, but no. Uh, he Hightower's is, passed away. He's kicking around. Hightower's still here? No, he's just, uh, he died in 2011. There it is. Yeah. No, Michael Winslow is still kicking, still oh. kicking around. And go. people kind of make fun of these movies because there's so many of them. Like they never just seem to go away. But then you realize they were the road movies in the 40s, 50s, and 60s with Bob Hope, Bing Crosby, Dorothy Lamour. And they were the same sort of thing. It's it's not so much a story as it is just a collection of little bits that they just strung together and created a movie out of it. And then look at the Marvel movies. How many of those damn things have there been? Yeah, and people someone like me who doesn't know Marvel at all, it's just out of control. Like, I don't even know what's happening anymore. Well, it's... I don't know if it's Marvel, but uh, Daredevil? No, what, what's... Uh... That's Marvel. Punisher. Yep. No, 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 the red guy. Deadpool. Deadpool's pretty funny. He's also Marvel. They're making another one. They're oh. looping him back to the Marvel, Marvel movies. I mean, Five. I think you guys remember, I watched, God help me, all 19 Marvel movies over the course of three weeks, and I reviewed them all. And it's quite the achievement. This is not that. I think the catering budget for any of those Marvel movies is bigger than the budget for any of these Police Academy movies. <laughs> and, and yet here's the thing. They made seven of them, and they're making an eighth. So someone is watching these. Yeah, it's uh, a... But I don't know if I've ever gotten through more than four. Probably just lost the franchise, but we watch them still. It's a movie every couple of years. You see it on TV or you, you're going to throw it on. It's just, yeah, I don't know. Almost like yeah. a long-time classic. Yeah, you know, I, I hadn't seen these in years until I started prepping for them. And now I'm going through them all because what the hell. And some of these, like some of the, some of the scenes, like again, Mahoney parking the car at the beginning – 
I still remember that. Or Winslow playing the video game in his dorm, even though he's got nothing there. Or the <laughs> bit with the you uh, asshole. Yeah, or, or the bit with the <laughs> razor <laughs> control of it. Um, one of the funniest scenes in a movie ever comes from the fourth one, where they try and run out a bunch of bad recruits, and so they get Hightower dressed as this voodoo shaman. And they lock him in the back of a police truck with these three recruits and a dead body in a body bag, which is Tackleberry with a chainsaw. Yama, 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 yama. Yama, 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 yama. Yama, 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 yama. Hey, don't let his voodoo mumbo jumbo scare you. Yama, 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 yama. Fools, they, they can kill the brother of Badula. I never thought that. Oh, that I could reach into the belly of a yak and rip out his heart? That would bring him back to life? No, man. I'm hungry. Listen. We're going for some burgers and fries. We'll be right back. Yama, 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 I still laugh at that. And I saw that in 1987 and it's still hilarious. Everyone's got their moments or like, you know, like you're talking the, the blue oyster, the minute you hear that music, everyone knows the joke. Or you say Uh, blue oyster and I hear that music instantly. (laughs) Even in, in subsequent films, they didn't even have to show the bar anymore. They just had to have someone, you know, seeking escape, and that actually happens in the second movie as well. A guy seeks escape into this back into this back alley and into a back door. And all you hear is the music. And immediately, you know, there's no sign. And immediately, you know where you are. It's, it's a running joke of the series. Yeah. So let's play through this and sort of see what we see. First off, you get to see an awesome cityscape of, well, Toronto. Uh, your first hint, maybe the BMO building in the background. All of these were filmed in Toronto, and they didn't even bother hiding it. You can see the the CN Tower and all of that. And it announces that uh, they're removing height, weight, sex, education, and physical oh. strength. Uh, <laughs> you know, re- recruiting standards and the police freak out. And, you know, the irony is, as we've learned recently, maybe letting more people from your community into the police is a good thing. But that's another matter. Uh, and the first guy we meet is uh, Tackleberry. And, you know, he's hunting people through the halls and he's, you know, this psycho with a gun. Like it's clear the people around him are afraid of him. This guy's my favorite. I'm not sure who your favorites are, but Tackleberry <laughs> is my favorite because he's a nutbag. Three of us have been in the army. We all know, we all know the guy who, who joined the army so he could touch live ammunition. <laughs> you know, <laughs> too many and, of those. Too many of those. Yeah. I turned away one of those guys at the recruiting center. We said, yeah, we don't want this guy in the army. Like, why? He's like, yeah, he, he wants to hold his gun. He wants to cradle his gun. But that's, that's Tackleberry. I don't think they ever even tell you if he was actually in the military. Oh, yeah. But, later And maybe in later episodes. I, but in this one, they don't. I, do they do much background after this? Yeah, characters? Not, no. Oh, at least I mean, at least not through the third film. I mean, they show him. They sh- they show him do like uh, stealing bits from Rambo. Like there's one part where he comes out of a out of out of the water with the headband and an M60 in his hands, which obviously is a ripoff from I'm guessing one of the Rambo films. But uh, you know, this guy's a psycho, and he goes into a room. He starts firing like crazy, and it, it's a it's a send off <laughs> for him. Like a surprise going away party. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But it's pretty clear they're very happy to see him go. Yeah. Uh, the first, I mean, my God, the first, I'd say 20, 30 minutes of this are just skits. Like there's the bit in the parking lot where Mahoney works. And it's funny because all the bit players here, you can recognize them from like SCTV and other Canadian shows. And, you know, this guy wants Mahoney to park his car. He keeps telling him there's no room. And so, you know, the boss says, look, just find him a place to park. So he Pops, what do you call that? A wheelie? I don't even know. Where you Drives have... on the side. sideways, yeah. Yeah. Four wheels. yeah, and uh, 
parks it between two parked cars right beside each other. I used to tell my mother when I was learning to drive, like, yeah, I'm going to park, I'm going to learn how to park cars today, just like Mahoney. Those jokes exist everywhere. And then there is, uh, what's his name? Leslie Barbara, or was it Barbara <laughs> Leslie? Leslie Les- Barbara. And it's Leslie Barbara. <clears throat> yeah, Leslie Barbara, who works in something that some of our younger viewers will not recognize, which is a, a, a film development kiosk. And they throw him in the river. Uh, he announces he's going to join the uh, police department. That's another cute gag. Uh, we get to see uh, Larvel Jones, sorry, Reverend Dr. Larvel Jones, MD. And he's, I mean, it's cure, It's pretty clear they, they just recruited this guy because he's really good at uh, uh, special effects. What are you in for? I'll show you. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. You got to admit it's a pretty good gag where he starts he starts making the uh, the machine gun sounds and everyone uh, oh it's the megaphone yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> everyone dies. I always <laughs> wanted that megaphone as a kid. Or when he got Mahoney out of the got Mahoney out of class. Cadet Mahoney, Cadet Mahoney, report immediately to the commandant's office. Cadet Mahoney. Okay, Mahoney, get going. By pretending to but, be the, the radio. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I totally want that thing. I want. I definitely want that. You know, Mahoney. We learn is a uh, a career petty idiot. I forget why is it that the captain looks after him. Like he knew his dad or something like that. Or yeah, yeah. yeah. He sends him off to the police academy. This could just as easily have been. You know, you're going to join the army. I think it wasn't that the story of stripes. Like two guys who joined the army because one of them was in trouble with the law or something. Stripes. That was you. Stripes. Don't watch that, right? We haven't done that one, no. No, we did. Oh. We did taps. Oh, taps. Yeah. No, I don't know. Very different movie. Two very different movies. Yeah. <laughs> very different movies. Yeah. So he sends them off to the academy, and he says, "You can't. You can't quit, but they can throw you out." So, oh, hey, look, we have the premise of a movie. He's going to try and quit, and then we get to see the next guy whose wife doesn't want him to go, so she jumps oh. on the, on the roof of the car. By the way, they flip that script in the third movie when his wife decides to join the police. Yes, yeah, she did join. That's why I said that last night, and then I'm like, oh, maybe I'm thinking something else. But yeah, nope. she ends up joining later on. Yeah, and it's the same, the exact same gag except she steals his police car and he's on the hood (laughs) yeah it's the exact same thing and they pass a limo with a rich guy in it though instead of this time being kim cattrall because she went on to other stuff she was only in the first movie this time it's just a new recruit who's a like a snooty guy with a an ascot and one of those cigarette holders and whatever but uh you know it's funny kim cattrall she's become a big deal because of sex in the city but she started off on goofy movies like this just like everyone else you know, she plays a rich kid who wants to be a cop. I was shocked at all the people who were in these movies. The guy who was in Jag. I can't think of his name offhand. The lead of the show, Jag. Oh, yeah. Uh, he yeah. was in one of these movies. Uh, Sharon Stone was in one of these movies. A lot of big actors. And then a lot of actors who went nowhere, which is, you know, not surprising considering the movie. And then we get to see them all gather. And then there's uh, George Martin or George Martin, depending how you want to look at that. <laughs> <laughs> he's hilarious he's like, you know, the one with all the girlfriends and sort of he arrives you know the, the latin lover from puerto rico and uh you know that's cute and then we get to see gw bailey you guys recognize him right the um the lieutenant from uh who the actor was in mash yeah 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 rizzo so yeah. the funny thing about this is that there's nothing surprising about this cart- about this this show so far we're 14 minutes into this movie there's nothing surprising no right? it's about you'd get like a lot of the comedies in that time, it was the very like either inappropriate humor or like slapsticky stuff. That's what the comedies were back then. They they got a lot more creative in today's day when they make a comedy. But oh, absolutely. Well, and I feel too that they just they start off. They don't start slow. So it's like okay, like you said, skit number one. How each of these characters get to where they go, and the film begins. Like it's just so quick and get right to business, right? Like it's funny from the start, and yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, you know who every one of these characters is. Hooks is very quiet. So we know what her character arc is. She'll get loud. Oh, her bag. Yeah, exactly. And she says that in every movie. That's how every movie ends, with her pointing a gun at some guy's head and yelling, And we know that, you know, uh, you know, Mahoney will, will become responsible and, and so forth and so on. But again, the road movies with Bob Hope and Bing Crosby and Dorothy Lamore, they were exactly the same thing. Very simple plot. Three people traveling from point A to B and then all the hijinks in between. And that's what you're watching it for. It's sort of like watching Airplane. You're not watching it for the plot. At least I hope not. Yeah, or the acting or the <laughs> the story. But Actually, yeah. a comedy, you know, comedies are harder to act than dramas. 
it's easy to be serious. It's hard to be funny or to act funny and actually get to deliver funny. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's true. And, you know, you look at most of these actors, I mean, guys like Steve Gutenberg, they went nowhere. Most of these guys went nowhere. I mean, David Graff, who plays Tackleberry, he had a couple of episodes of The West Wing. Michael Winslow, I think, went back to stand-up comedy. G.W. Bailey went nowhere. None of these actors did, which is, I guess, the difference between the road movies and these ones. The road I movies, like the big Steve guys. Guten- Steve Gutenberg was able to stay in the media, like, even recently doing not many movies, but... I don't know what else I just I feel, I feel like his name has been around for some reason. He, he uh, did a couple. Well, he did Cocoon, which at some point we absolutely have to do. Such a good movie. Yeah, it's a great film. And he was in the sequel as well. You know, you have this basic setup where Mahoney wants to quit, but he can't. He has to be thrown out. But now we learn from the chief of police talking with Commandant Lassard and G.W. Bailey's character, whose name escapes me, that they have to quit. They can't be thrown out. Because he wants the mayor to be able to say that these people were given a, a fair shot. And, you know, these people are, are sort of meant to be losers. We learn, right, you know, that's where we meet Hooks, where he says, you know, why do you want to be a police officer? She could barely get it out of her mouth. <laughs> and I, like he says, yeah, don't unpack. And then we get to learn that Mahoney is not just uh, not funny. He's also creepy as hell when he asks to see another recruit's thighs. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's. That was yeah, actually like, a pretty funny scene, though, when he's and especially with us being in the army. When you're at attention, you have no idea who's standing behind you, telling you what to do. Or, I mean, I probably wouldn't. But you'd have to kind of do it. I don't know. It's just like <laughs> a funny scene. Like you can't oh, yeah. turn around and look. There are hints in this movie that someone who wrote it had been in the army, or the navy, yeah. or something like that, who had been through basic training. Because sometimes it has that feel. Like even Sergeant Callahan, the female instructor, we had an instructor like her in basic. Remember Master Bombardier Dragon Lady we used to call mm-hmm. her? That's psycho. She was a monster. At least she wasn't she wasn't around us much. We we got pretty lucky. Oh yeah, Earth we were very definitely, lucky. Definitely. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Awesome, yeah, yeah. He, was, he was pretty wild. He's probably like a chief warrant officer by now. But uh these ones are all just bullies. And Callahan is well, she's <laughs> she has exactly two attributes. Well, I guess technically three. She's got what's under her shirt and she's mean. That that's it. Like that's her character. And when they reintroduce her two movies later she's nothing more than that. Like she's in it just as often as she's in this one and exactly the same two jokes. She's really tough and she's stacked. That's it. <laughs> I, was, I was waiting for her to turn into like an Austin Powers fanbot or something. I <laughs> just got her shirt dropped out and start have uh, pistols in her boobies. Exactly. Yeah, yeah no. <laughs> Why do I have you people on my podcast? <laughs> Why do you ask that every single episode? We were the only two that responded, others. I'm calling Adam. Give me a second. Yeah, he gads. Yeah. So anyway, they're they're all given their um, you know, they're all given their uniforms, and uh, you know, G.W. Bailey's character. We got to find out his name. It's ridiculous. I can't call him that the whole time. Um, G.W. Who is he? Uh, he's a sergeant, lieutenant, oh. Harris, Harris, Lieutenant Harris. Yeah, Harris. I knew, I knew that. I'm yeah, sorry. I totally believe you. Uh, I just yeah, said it at the same time. I just yeah. said it at the same time. Well, I just I know G.W. Bailey because I know him as as uh, Sergeant Rizzo from Mash, which is one of my favorite shows. Harris sees these two guys and sends them off to get uh, their hair done. And <laughs> oh, so that's hair. a funny scene too. Yeah. It's like, yeah, just take it all off. So they, they buzz cut them. Like and they're in the army. Yeah. Yeah. And George Mark says, it's just like, take a little off the side. It's like, you can do that. It's like, yeah, man, it's not the army. And it's funny. <laughs> that's one of those scenes that's a joke forever. Oh, absolutely. And the, by the way, they come back in the third movie as the bad guys and they don't have buzz cuts anymore. You know, they're scumbags, especially the shorter blonde one of the two, because he's this racist asshole. Like he's the one with, <laughs> with the Confederate flag on the front of his car. Um, yeah, which is which is pretty hilarious. That's another one of those scenes I never forget. Like, look what they did to my car, <laughs> and all he can do is scream. The scene of uh, High Tower ripping the seats out of the car is one that I remember forever too. Forever. Yeah, yeah, so I, fits, yeah. It's funny. I'd had trouble for I had had trouble remembering where that scene came from, and like, oh, okay, yeah, I get it. And so, yeah, so they put these guys in their rooms. Harris sort of wanders into the room of these two weirdos. And says he wants to use them as spies. And they're pretty cool with that. We, But I think the thing is, is the only reason why they got that job is because of the haircuts. 
he walks in and says, oh, look at these guys must know what they're doing because they have the haircuts. I'm yep. going to recruit you. If they didn't have those haircuts, they would have looked as as dopey as they did sort of throughout the whole movie. Yeah. So, well, it's also yeah. the you know, ready for inspection. Like, it's pretty clear they're sort of snapped to, like, their their bunks are already... Ask his her. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, totally. Um, but then remember, we find out later that the taller of the two, the one who's actually got a brain, remember, he's ex-Special Forces. Oh, yeah, yeah. Right? So he is actually military. That's the one thing I noticed. is like, all these guys are, like, real, like, they're in their 20s, I'm guessing, most of these actors. They're all pretty fit. You see them all with their shirts off. It's like, wow, these guys are all super fit. I was actually quite surprised. It's the nature of being in Hollywood, I suppose. Try not to be envious, Ramey. One day, too, you will. Anyway. I'll be fit? <laughs> when? <laughs> Kilo wants to know when. Yeah. Shots fired. <laughs> hey, man, when, when I disconnect, you're not my problem anymore. <laughs> and so they take them on their first run, and anyone who's ever been in basic training will remember the first run your instructors take you on. It is designed, in fact, to make you pass out and or barf. You know, and so there's a montage of them doing sit-ups and push-ups. And, of course, you've got the one guy, uh, Leslie Barbara, who is about 300 pounds overweight. And, you know, he's checking, you know, and then Lieutenant Harris checks in on that night. They're all passed out except for Jones, who's playing video games and with, <laughs> you know, nothing there. Just... It's an 80s movie that it's a joystick with one button on top and that's it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah there's Atari. <laughs> hey, an Atari, yeah, the Atari button was on top. It was on the side, but that's another matter. <laughs> but, uh, you know, and then they have, the, and then there's the classroom scene where, like, I don't know what he was writing in on the board. Police work is what you are here for. Some sort of messed oh, up, yeah. <laughs> and he's like yelling. It's like, writing? it's like it's worse than doctor's script. He breaks the chalk several times. Yeah. It's just very dramatic to write what he's writing. Yeah, it was a little much. Uh, and then you know, Jones has him off to the firing range and has Mahoney go to the commandant's office. We actually missed a little scene where Mahoney sends Leslie Barbara into a house, he oh. says that's where the quartermaster <laughs> is. Uh, I actually recognize that actress. She's the she's the dead aunt from Vacation. Remember the one they go visit her and she dies in the back seat. So they put her on the on the roof of the car and drive her drive her the rest of the way to her cousins. Yeah. Do you guys remember that from National Lampoon's Vacation? Yeah, or, uh, yeah. Do you have you seen Vacation? No, only no. the Las Vegas one. Oh no, the original one was uh, that's mm. a movie. Was Chevy uh, Chase in that one? Yes, it's in all of them. Yeah. Oh. I mean, the best one is still the, the, the Christmas one, but the first one was a different one. But yeah, the aunt who, uh, you know, she's just this miserable thing. She did the uh, cameo role as uh, Lasara's wife. Well, and then you know, was that, that was the scene before that was when uh, Mahoney got the shoe polish on the megaphone. Oh, that comes, <laughs> that comes later. Oh, is that later? That oh. comes later. Yeah. Yeah. I've actually seen that done. Not with a, sh not with a megaphone, but with um, binoculars. Oh yeah. Yeah. I watched work. Yeah, I watched someone do that on my, actually, I think it was on my threes. But uh, yeah, that went, that went down exactly as well as you think it did. Uh, <laughs> but uh, uh, yeah, so uh, Mahoney goes into Lassard's office. And of course, Lassard is so checked out. Like he's, this guy's about 20. Like it's, it's clear why he's the commandant of the academy. Because having him, you know, in a patrol car with a gun would probably be a bad thing. Can't help but think. And it's like, oh, many, many people have quit many, many times, but you can't. And that's, by the way, all that character does for all of the movies, as far as I can tell, is talk about uh, many, many this and many, many that. Oh, he, he was pretty funny, though. Well, he was. You know, he's he's kind of this off in space sort of guy. And, and, and that's cute. <laughs> then we get to see the obstacle course and, you know, Hook's trying to get over the wall and then Hightower knocking the wall down. I thought what I thought was hilarious. And I don't know if it was just because. I was, I don't know, in the mood, but when he came and said, oh, look, I ripped my pants, and he had, like, shredded them, <laughs> you could tell that he did all the work to, like, oh, oh yeah. I ripped my pants. Yeah. And well, I was I, like, that is so cheesy, but hilarious. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 
this is not high humor. Let's be clear. There's no, uh, you know, this is not, uh, this is not Shakespeare. This is not much ado about nothing. And this is the scene with the shoe polish. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 And I think that's why he did it. I think it's why he shreds it. So he can get the shoe polish from the quartermaster. It takes Harris all of a hot second to realize who screwed him over. Decides to have the two narc cadets run Mahoney into the ground. And then we get to learn what George Martin is up to every day or every night. Sneaking over to the ladies. Yeah. And it's hilarious. It's like how many in that one scene later, like how many uh, how many female cadets did he have in bed with him? Was it like three or something (laughs) ridiculous like that? So he's 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 a I don't know how he'd have the energy to go through the rest of the day, but whatever. Like everything here is about a one minute or two minute scene, right? Everything here is just a joke. So you get the firing, uh, the firing line scene with uh, Tackleberry's gun. Which is like the hand. Oh, yeah. It's like the cannon, yeah. Which is. <laughs> his, his mom gave it to him. Well, your mom doesn't that? buy you. <laughs> Did your mom never buy you high powered firearms for your birthday? Well, not my mom. Oh, not your mom. Okay. That's a, that's a story for another day, I think. You know, and then there's the scene with the self defense where Leslie Barber gets, you know, winds up between uh, Callahan's legs. <laughs> yeah. Who's next? Everyone raises their hand. Me. <laughs> very, very subtle. Very, very subtle. And then the next scene is where we see you know the camera panning past the uh uh the barracks and we see her you know pumping iron with this like 1940s i don't know what the hell kind of bra that was but it's like oh yeah yeah, something from the 1940s and she's pumping iron and we see george martin making out with all the all the women and then we see creepy mahoney watching the uh the women shower shower. yeah Yeah, that's not creepy drinking a beer drinking a beer yeah, and then Harris takes it from him, and he's the one who gets caught peeking in on the women. Oh, that was that's a funny scene though, like subtle scenes. He's just like, what's? He just stares at him, and then he hands him the beer and walks away. And he turns, and all the girls are looking at him. <laughs> that is, honor. That was an a uh, really subtle, funny scene. Yeah, it, it, I went to I went to high school with this guy named Mark Leonard, and he used he had a perfect description for '80s movies. He says they're Hooter films. And it's, it's like the perfect description. It's just, it's nothing but like, you know, silly humor and boobs. Like that's what all these movies are. Great. 80s boobs. Well, yeah. Hey, it took us how many uh, episodes before we finally found a movie that had I know. I know. Just getting your fill now, Ramey. Do you feel better? You've been gone for a year and a bit. I feel better. Yeah, I know. I'm happy. You finally got me one with some boobs. Thank you. Thank you. That's that's what I'm here for. Yeah, well, I'm sure we're all here for that. Heather, Keitha, you're here for the 80s boobs, right? Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, sure. Let's go with that. Sure, sure. Heather's here for the karate. That doesn't happen to the second film when we learn that Jones knows karate and he starts doing the bad lip sync imitations. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, that doesn't happen to the second movie, unfortunately. He's Bruce Lee. You want a bet? Damn you! Wanna fight, huh? Fight me! He does it in the second movie when he beats up a couple thugs, and in the third one when he goes back and he trains people. So I guess they decided that having him make machine gun sounds only bring you so far in the movie. And then there's a couple more scenes of, you know, Mahoney doing push-ups and there's the scene of Jones, uh, you know, being attacked with the non-automatic razor. Uh, oh yeah, that's pretty funny too. And then, you know, they get their first weekend out and and Harris wants to know where the the party is going to be and they pump uh, Leslie Bar- Barber for the information. Mahoney purposely gives him the wrong information and says, "Yeah, we're going to this club called the Blue Oyster." Which uh, <laughs> Maybe I'll just put that music in instead of our normal <laughs> this time. So they have the wildest beach party I think I've ever seen on any sort of military course. I, I can't recall any military course where, you know, the women all went topless, but maybe it's just because I was a medic. I don't know. I don't. You were going to the wrong parties. I guess so. But then you were in the infantry. So yours were all guy parties. So Are you, yeah. Yeah. Fair yeah. Enough. So. Only the overweight ones had the boobs. These two idiots wind up in uh, the Blue Oyster, which is, you know, pretty funny. Like, the funny thing is, is that all these guys are like really good dancers. Like, obviously, the actors they found for this were like serious ballroom dancers. And they're all these big, tough looking guys. And and these two weenies are afraid to make a run for it. 
So yeah, yeah about ballroom dancing. It's like your favorite thing in the world. It is. Yes. It, what do you think of that scene Boston when we, you mentioned it last night too? Oh, it's not accurate at all. It's not the tango at all. <laughs> and the blue oyster. <laughs> the blue oyster. It definitely is a made up tango dance, but oh, okay. I mean, two dudes, one dressed in leather. What could you do really? Not let them. But at least they're dancing. Yeah. Yeah, and then we get to see a little bit of romance between Kim Cattrall and uh, Mahoney, which is still better than the third film where he keeps hitting on one of the recruits, which is a little licky, but whatever. I still don't know what Kim Cattrall's character sees in Mahoney, considering he sexually harasses her every time he sees her. But but in the 80s, that was not quite as a forefront as it is now. I knew girls in the 80s, and I can't think of any of them who would be totally for a guy who sexually harassed them and demanded to see their thighs on the first meeting. <laughs> Maybe you and I knew different people, so... Well, in the 80s, I didn't know many people. Because <laughs> you were a five-year-old. Uh, when this came out, I was a four-year-old. Okay, fine. I was <laughs> The next scene is actually my favorite of the entire film. Well, with the exception of the Blue Oyster scenes, which are always my favorite. And that's the, um, it's not a kill house, but the street with the shotgun, where they're sort of oh. moving down the street, firing at the oh, targets. Yeah, uh... Oh, yeah, yeah. Like a live range? Yeah. Live range, yeah. And then, you know, the first couple guys go, and then uh, Tackleberry takes the shotgun. And you know, up until that point, the instructor would say, come with me. And this time, I, you know, Tackleberry looks at him come with me and he you know he goes psycho and he blows the guy's head off from behind and he's diving over cars and goes into the building at one point and shoots them from inside <laughs> the building oh yeah the whole thing is hilarious i mean this guy is an absolute psycho it's a pretty funny scene there's the part where leslie barbara like accidentally fires the weapon twice on his own and they just sort of take the gun back from him pretty good scene yeah negligent discharge on the firing range what is that a 500 dollars fine i think and of course that night george martin knocks on a door of a dormitory and it turns out it's uh it's callahan waiting for him and oh she, yeah yeah she does a number on him as we see at dawn the next morning, him staggering back. That's very, very subtle. It's very, very subtle. And then the scene after that is a rest procedure where uh, Hooks yells, uh, don't move, this is a stick up instead of freeze dirt bag, which is pretty funny. <laughs> uh, followed Hooks by is attack. a pretty funny character. Oh, she is. But that's all she ever does is she's really quiet until she gets aggressive and yells, don't move, dirt bag. Okay. We learned that George Martin is really just George Martin. Maybe he does the uh, oh yeah, the fake the, voice, the accent for the women. There's another. There's a sight gag with Hightower where he tries to climb the rope and rips it out of the ceiling. Well, Bubba Smith, he's like six foot eight or something like that. He was a he was like a football player or something. Oh, I'm sure. Back yeah. the, like in the '80s, people weren't really that size except Arnold and this guy. Arnold so. actually is. But, uh, oh, uh, Andre the Giant. He was a wrestler. He's huge. He was in the NFL from, he was the Baltimore Colts in the 60s and 70s and the Oakland Raiders and the Houston Oilers and played in two Super Bowls and a bunch of Pro Bowls and the Salad Bowl and the Candy Bowl or whatever. And <laughs> and it turned out that's actually what got him. I'm sort of quickly looking at Wikipedia. It was the concussions that got him in the end. He had a stroke. So he retired and then became an actor. Yes. Cool. Well, I don't know if that's what we're going to well. call what he did. <laughs> does he even have a line in the movie? He does. He has quite a few of them. I mean, not a lot. Because remember, we learned he used to be a florist. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, and you didn't tell me when he runs into the car. You didn't tell me to stop. <laughs> yeah. That's, yeah. That, I never liked that line because he had driven. You know, he, like he said, you know, I, I haven't driven since I'm 12. So clearly he knew how to, you know, drive a vehicle. Then there's, I hate this scene just because it is so crude, which is, the two, I don't know what you'd call them, narc cadets, the two core seniors, try to get Leslie Barbara expelled by hiding a hooker in his locker. Oh, and they... just, when we get to that scene next at the podium, I have some comments about that. <laughs> oh, bring it on. They hide him under a podium and? And the old, that uh, Lassard gets up Sorry. there to give his speech That's and you hear a very large, loud zip sound. And then his face of him having to give the speech while getting a felished sure getting that and and then of course mahoney crawls out at the end and pops his head out and he he looks and he goes ooh, ooh, oh ooh. my god after he made some sexual like what do you call it where he's like i remember a time when there's all these johnson's johnson's as far as the eye can see yeah, that he was meant right johnson's as in penises everywhere yeah, yeah that was right from the beginning yeah it's, men uh, only so yeah, yeah. so yeah he, he assumes that it was mahoney who blew him yeah uh, and <laughs> 
Yeah. <laughs> but then that joke comes and, back at the end because, you know, if you're going to do a bad joke once, why not do it twice, right? Uh, but the, the funny thing is there is Mahoney is like looking out the grill forward and then he turns around and he's just like, meh, whatever. She's doing her thing. And the, but the, at the end there where Lassard looks back and there's Mahoney looking at him smiling. It's so funny. Yeah. In it's a uh, totally inappropriate way. But just that in your face humor is it's pretty good. Yeah, that's that's an 80s joke. Like you you couldn't pull that one off today. That just wouldn't fly. There's so much of this movie. Like you could not I don't think they would dare show this movie on like see on cable TV. Like I think that's gotta be like on an 80s like movie channel. You couldn't just show that on late night TV anymore. I think there's just too much of this film that's uh sort of past the line. Yeah. Well Something and like moved, the line moved. <laughs> it's it's weird because I've I've seen movies like this where they yeah. use the word gay a lot and fag and queer and it's oh. you know, they they are rude to women and or objectify women and stuff. Yeah. And you watch it from even the two thousands. But watching it today, some of these th- uh words that they use made me feel uncomfortable because I was like, these are not okay now. Like yeah. oh my gosh. But back then it was, and back then we were okay with it. But it was weird because, yeah, watching again, I was like, oh, I may, I, this is bad. This is wrong. But I was like, yeah, but that's how we talked back then. Yep. They talked. That was our the culture, which I'm not saying is great, but it's just it so is. weird how hearing that stuff. And then you go, yeah, I guess it really wasn't okay. Like, that's, yeah. that's not really okay. Like, the one thing where they use that slang towards, um, what's the High quiet black or the, quiet black the little girl hick? Oh, they I call know. her the chickaboo? Chickaboo. Yeah, that's right up there with the N word. That's. uh, (laughs) I was like, that makes me feel very uncomfortable. But remember, that was made to show him as a racist, and he he suffers for it. I mean, they turn the guy over in the car. Like we know he's a racist asshole because he's got the freaking stars and bars on the front of his car. So the other thing with that is, um, in the eighties, it's just funny that they were like, "Oh, we got to write some humor into this gay joke, fag, queer," Mm -hmm. and it's it's like now. You said, well, it's not funny, but then that was the humor. That's what yep. was funny. And now it's just like, it's you, someone would tell a joke like that or make some gay joke. And you're like, uh, <laughs> that's oh, it's yeah. just not, it's just not funny. You got to be more creative to be funny now. I think. Well, yeah. I mean, Heather, Heather and I grew up in the eighties, you know, in junior high and the use of fag. I mean, I know you Heather, but I heard that all the time. Yeah. It, it, it meant bad or lame. Cigarette. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, that, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, that in England, sure, but uh, yeah, no fag, and you're, you know, that's so gay. We bump into that a lot in this podcast. Ooh, not okay. You know, it was funny. I was going to do. I was considering us doing Porky's. Have any of you actually seen that movie? Yeah, a couple times. Me. Yeah, Watched with, brought the wife in on that party. <laughs> oh, that's that's a winning movie. As a kid, I thought that movie because it's a raunchy as hell movie. I thought of doing it, and so I watched it. I didn't make it through the credits. It's so it's so mean. It's so misogynistic. I didn't make it through the credits, and I thought we are not doing this film on this podcast. There is no way. Like, there's the odd gay joke, and that's bad enough. But that one was not just two steps over the line. That was a pole vault followed by a two-hour trip over the line. It's, it's interesting to think of that because, like, in what I can remember of it, similar to Revenge of the Nerds, is it's like. That's it. Just follows this path, but I, it would be interesting to see now to see how bad it actually is because I assume that that is probably very much the case. I tried watching Revenge of the Nerds, and it was another. So it funny. was mostly. It was. I found it mostly just cringeworthy, but it wasn't horrific the way Porky's was. Like I said, right. I didn't make it through the credits, and the way they treated women. It's like I can't ask people to watch this film. Like it's that bad. Right. Uh, but as a kid, I thought it was the I, Porky's and Porky's to the revenge or whatever it's called. I thought those were hilarious when I was a kid. The sex humor is you know, the bat it's bathroom humor, you know, them looking through the shower and then the guy sticking his wang through the shower and the, the gym teacher grabbing <laughs> it. And like, that's all ha ha funny, but the movie was so it hated women so much. I couldn't watch it. Mm-hmm. Whereas this one, it hates everyone. Like it's all, in, <laughs> it's all in good fun though. It's funny. I looked up Roger Ebert's review and he hated this film. And he said, this is the, this is like the poor attempt to replicate the gold that was airplane mm. you know let's do the hijinks of airplane but let's do it in a police academy but anyway back to police academy and the bad blowjob joke the very next scene there's the patrol where they where they go on patrol with the actual cops and mahoney winds up running behind harris and there's that horrific joke with uh, harris's head winding up in the horse's ass <laughs> oh. oh yeah, yeah. 
<laughs> There's a traffic jam. He caught Harris commandeers like a BMX bike, loses oh, yeah, control yeah. of it, gets catapulted into the back of a horse trailer, uh, and everyone's sort of giggling at him. <laughs> Somebody um, call a vet. Yeah, that was. <laughs> you know what? That was gross to me, even when I was a kid. I didn't find that funny. I'm sorry. So don't worry about the guy that just like crashed his bike with the horse. Don't worry about <laughs> yeah. the horse. Because yeah, it's so um, funny. And that's the night we learned that Hightower can't drive, so they steal that one weenie's car, and they tear the seats out, and they, they lead a, a cop on a high-speed chase and trash the vehicle, and that's pretty cool. Well, and I love and, how they have that happen, and then just flip to the next scene. There's no explanation, like, does Hightower get caught? It literally goes from he's racing through the city with cops chasing yeah. him, and then next scene, boom, they're back at the... Well, the cops kind of crashed into that car dealership, but... Right, right. He loses the cops, right? The impression I get from this film is that they came up with a list of what are funny things that we could do with this situation. And they made a Mahoney list and a Hightower list and a Hooks list, so forth and so on. And they just filmed them all. I noticed that much more with the third one, which is like Police Academy 3 back in training where they're back as instructors at the academy. And sometimes the scenes don't make sense from one to the next. Like, why did we have two scenes of people making speeches trying to get the cadets to cheer up why is this scene here why is that scene there and it's it's clear they just sort of filmed a whole bunch of crap and then edited it together this film does not have a consistent narrative as opposed to say airplane which they actually stole the script from another well they did still they used a script from another movie and then made everything funny but at least the story flows here it doesn't really but then, yeah, here's the scene with the use of the, the racial slur where uh, Hooks is sort of driving casually around the driving course, singing, um, was it Santa Claus is coming to town or something, <laughs> drives over the guy's feet, and he calls her a chigaboo, which is right up there with the N-word. Like, that's, I think that was meant to be the oh my God moment. Because Hightower flips the car over with that twerp in it. it was pretty awesome. Uh, and he gets fired. There's a fight in the cafeteria. And Mahoney gets thrown out. Because he the takes the blame for Barbara starting the fight. Yeah, to protect Barbara. And then we get the start of this riot in the city where the one guy, was it Foggard, I think is his name? The guy with the glasses. Oh, yeah, the uh, cop there. Yeah. He sees the apple. He throws it out the window. Hits the guy on the head. The guy assumes it's a guy... Yeah, it's a shade reaction. Because the, the guy, guy happens to be walking with a bag of apples. Like, yeah, timing is everything. Yeah, it's hilarious. The funny thing is, like, this, this, I'd love to know where in Toronto they filmed this. Like, some of it, I think, was on Young Street back before it was a big trendy place. But it's, it's like, it's so obviously filmed in Toronto. Uh, it, it's really quite funny. Like, you can see, like, the Toronto Sun newspaper holders. And all they oh, did yeah. is put, like, black, elect they put, like, a black electrical tape over Toronto. So you can't see it. Uh, it's very, very subtle. <laughs> so everyone gets in their riot gear. Mahoney goes along. There's a lot of hijinks. You see a lot of people sort of running around. Their it's plastic sort of... riot gear, no bulletproof vest. Keitha was saying that. Their yeah. riot gear is a stick and a helmet. But that's what that they all take off and throw. That they all take off and throw at people. Well, you know, it's funny because you know we look at riot gear now, and these guys look like samurai warriors with, you know, with the shoulder pads and the knee pads and, and the whole nine yards. But if you actually look at riot gear in the '80s, that's really all it was. It was a jumpsuit and a helmet and a shield and a nightstick, and that's what they had. You know, it's not like today, like we're looking at, you know, the, the riot police you see in, in riots today, and these guys are all high tech. It wasn't like that in the '80s. You know, the, the two idiot cops wind up having their guns taken away by some psycho. And I, what I love, I love all the toughs and they're just like random guys who haven't shaven in three days wearing leather coats and like toques. Or jean or jean coats with uh, metal studs on them. Yeah, it's funny. The guy, the main bad guy here who steals the two cadet pistols, he comes back. He's the, he's the main bad guy in the third film. Oh, uh, it was the funny thing in that scene, though, is there's like they're like taunting them on the other side of the fence and like yeah. walking along. And then there's like an opening in the fence. Pretty funny. That was a pretty funny scene. <laughs> yeah. Again, it's all gags. Like, there's, if you notice, not a single joke here has more than about a five second setup. Mm hmm. And like the whole thing, there's nothing here is longer than five, 10 seconds. I would be shocked if there's an entire scene here that lasts over 60 seconds in the entire mm -hmm. film. And I'm not going to sit there with a, a stopwatch, but I'm pretty sure. So now you got a guy with two guns. He grabs Harris. There's a shootout. You know, Mahoney manages to take him out. There's a cute scene a little earlier on where Lassard uh, is driving along and his car gets <laughs> surrounded. Hello, men. I thought I'd come by for a personal inspection. 
Okay, if we get in south. I guess so. Sure, why not? Well, men, how's it going? I want you to give me a fix on the entire situation. Not that good, sir. Oh, this is very, very, very bad. The main thing is not to panic. Attention! Attention, everybody! Attention! This is Commandant Eric Lazard of the Police Academy. If you do not disperse immediately, my men and I will have to arrest you. You have five seconds to move away. Five, four, three, two. The crowd disperses, so that's a nice setup for but, Jones. Thank goodness he was there. I, I yeah. like when the when the shootout's happening and they're like shooting at the girl, and then uh, he's like, I, "I have a clean shot." And then they pull Harris to the edge, and he's like, "Should we take the shot to Lassard?" And he's like, <laughs> uh, "You can tell he's like super yeah. torn with the decision." Yeah, <laughs> so funny because just the look on his face, like he's like totally struggling, like he's trying to grind out a poop <laughs> yeah. or something. So funny. Yeah. I can't well, help but th- uh, yeah. Oh, do I let him go? <laughs> I can't help but think that if this had had better writers, they could have added an extra layer that would have made this much more funny, as opposed to simply a gag a minute. Yeah, uh, that's true. There's just so much more I think that could have been done, but you know, these movies are what they are, and they made seven of them. I'm obviously like this is the thing with movies like this. I may not love these movies, and you may not love them, or you may think they're funny, or we may have criticisms. But the fact is, they keep making them, which means someone is watching them. Yeah, that's true. Mm-hmm. You know, this movie may cost four point five million dollars to make, and what's the you know, the standard budget for a movie in the eighties is fifteen million. Fifteen million. Yeah. So for less than a third of that, they made eighty one million bucks. Well, there's lots of movies we've done that never got their twenty fifteen million dollars back. <laughs> well, your Dungeon Master made all sorts of money, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, Mahoney sort of saves the day. Tackleberry gets very upset and starts banging his head against the uh, hood of the car because there was gunplay and he didn't get to take part in any of it. (laughs) Man tantrum. Yeah. And uh, I don't know. I've had tantrums. I've never smashed my head against things, but that's just me. Well, and that's where Tackleberry was working in the florist shop and then saw it happening. And then he came, or Hightower. And then he came out into the, it was pretty funny. And then he ends up saving the day, which. Yeah, it's, you know, it's the sort of thing the heroes get redeemed, they all graduate, there's a, a graduation ceremony, and Mahoney gets to the podium, and then you hear the zip, zip. and he looks over <laughs> and lassard has got this shit-eating grin on his face, like, okay. Got you back. You know, <laughs> or when he comes around the corner and he's like, you two, stop kissing, you two guys, stop kissing, and it's Mahoney and yeah, Kim, Kim Cattrall. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You know, the funny thing is, oh, thank goodness. Can you imagine a movie with Kim Cattrall where she is given so little to do these days? I mean, even though she's sort of well past the height of her fame, I mean, does she have 10 lines in the whole movie? Well, and she even looks like a wuss at the end where she just hides behind the crate. She's got no skills or anything. She's just hiding, waiting for it. Like, I was like, oh, no. Yeah. 80s, 80s girl. Yeah, yeah, that's that's the that's the term we've come up with in this podcast. She's the 80s girl. She's there to be to be rescued. Uh, she's there to trip and to yell, ah, oh, Indy, you know, that's, that's what she's there for. So this movie is, it's a movie. It, it, Roger Ebert was right. It's very much a cheap, it's a cheap imitation of what airplane did successfully, which was take a very thin story and make everything funny. The difference is those characters actually had character arcs, or at least Ted Stryker did. And there was an actual plot and the characters were funny here. It's sort of, like I said, I think there must've been a chalkboard somewhere with Mahoney. What can he do? Hooks. What will she do? Tackleberry. What's funny stuff he can do. And they just sort of filmed it all. They had the beginning yeah. and they had the end and they're like, let's just throw it all together. All little mini scenes instead yeah. of like a good flowing movie of like absurd humor, cheesy. Like it reminds me of that naked gun. Like those movies <laughs> where it's just so ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. Um, that it's just, it's entertaining, right? It's easy humor. It's easy to laugh at. You don't have to think, you don't have to, you get the jokes, the lamer, the better, right? Like, or the, right? When, yeah. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's funny because that Naked Gun is of course based on the TV show Police Squad, which is done by the same people who did Airplane. Mm. 
Well, and that's the thing in Naked Gun is they were able to layer the humor a little bit better than this. And it had a a plot. The plot was pretty funny, like the Mm -hmm. the actual plot in that and then robotic O.J. Simpson, like, um, whereas this really didn't have a plot. I mean, I guess the closest thing they had was Mahoney not getting thrown out and not able to quit. Well, it's a situation. It's a situation. Graduate basic training. Right. And that and that provides the structure, all the structure they felt they needed. This isn't surprising. Uh, Airplane and Naked Gun, they were all made by the Kentucky Fried uh, Theater Company. And actually their first movie was Kentucky Fried Movie, which is pretty funny too. They know, so they understand plot because they're all theater majors. So they get it. You actually have to have a plot to lead you through. These guys just, I think they just threw crap against a wall and whatever stuck, they ran with it. But in the meantime, for 4.5 million bucks, they made 82 million bucks. Times and- seven. Times seven, yeah, seven, uh, seven films. So clearly, this worked for someone, and sometimes stupid works. You know, it's, the thing is, though, it's like a classic. Though it's it's one of those movies. If you saw it on TV on a Saturday afternoon, you'd put it on, or one that you'd like show your kids or something like that. It's not one that's lost in the world, and they play it sometimes because of that. Yeah. So. You know, Gene Siskel, who was Roger Ebert's partner in uh, Siskel and Ebert at the movies, he used to say, "If you can't appreciate good trash." What's the point in going to the movies? Mm-hmm. And he's right. I mean, think about how many movies we've done that are trash, like Ugh. Dungeon Master, which is a dumpster fire floating down the river, or other films you look and go, how did this get made? What was that? Rad. Hey. Oh, wait a sec. We hey. like rad. <laughs> check, check yourself. Right <laughs> rad is not rad. Or the Karate Kid. Watch that one. Hey, that's what rad is. It's Karate Kid on a bicycle. Except. That one was good. That rad was good. No, Karate Kid was good. Cobra Kai was even good for a bit. These 80s things, they don't translate into a modern context. Cobra Kai has tried and it's successful for a bit and then it's not. I have no idea how they pull off Police Academy 8. I'm trying to picture that film. Yeah. Like, <laughs> well, just... and especially now, I mean, with mm-hmm. everything going on with police and all of that, like it can be super controversial too. So who knows how they're even going to be able to work their way through any sort of policing situation and... Might be political. Might be making statements. They might have to, you know, to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Try and make it more topical. Try and make it more intelligent. There's so much more to any comedy these days. It's not the joke a minute doesn't work. They always try to layer. And I'm curious to see how they pull that off. I think, frankly, they should just let Police Academy die. But They're doing the late cash grab, the late in life cash grab. Does anyone care about Police Academy anymore? Like, if you stop some kid on the street and say, "Tell me about Police Academy," and they'll look at you and go, "What?" Police Academy is an old type of humor that died. I mean, the last of these films was 1994. The fact that they've been trying to make Police Academy 8 since 2003 should tell you something. Police Academy was freaking hilarious in 1980-something. Right. So any final thoughts, Heather? You've been slowly crying for the last hour at the horror of this film. What do you think? Is it as awesome as it was when you saw it the first time? Uh, No. The world has changed, and, and I've grown up. Oh. <laughs> what about you, Keitha? No, and I think only because of the world we're in now and who I am now, I guess, I watched it and felt extremely uncomfortable at a lot of the stuff because I was like, oh man, I can't believe that. Oh, I can't believe that. So I've changed too, even just from, you know, I didn't watch it in the 80s, but it was it was mildly funny in the early 2000s, but now I was like some funny parts and I laugh because, you know, it's good to laugh, but I was like, oh, this movie is... Is, does not fit anymore. It's not, yeah. does not fit in. <laughs> Ramy? Well, I, I just think there's so many good comedies. And like, as our girls are growing up, I'm not going to be like, you have to see Police Academy. And the funny thing about Police really? Academy is it's probably not going to be on because of how inappropriate it is. The network's not going to be like, oh, yeah, we'll throw Police Academy on for the afternoon in 2020. So yeah, I, I, I just don't think it's one that's going to. It's going to slowly die out, I think, generationally, where there's other movies that are Might fairly stick. funny that will keep coming back as generation after generation will be like, oh, it's like the Caddyshack of my generation. Yeah. My dad thought that was the funniest thing, but that was kind of before my time. But that, that's kind of the thing is I don't think this will be generational. I think it's going to die. Be gone. Be gonzo. But there's going to be a new one. Just ask Steve Gutenberg. Any last Amazon. comments, anyone? And, or shall we end it here? No, I thought that was good. Mm-hmm. good awesome. Movie, but okay. don't watch it. Good to see you. <laughs> <laughs> Careful who you watch it with, I guess, is the better term. Absolutely. Yeah, that's better, yeah. So, uh, okay, so we'll leave it there. 